What is up, friends and family? This is uh, our second episode of Hype is My Superpower. First with an actual title. My name Such an is... awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it. Hyped, you might say. Uh, okay. I'm one of your co-hosts, Steve Storman, uh, from, joining you from uh, Brooklyn, New York. And uh, joining me via the magic of the internet is Will Freeland. Will, how you doing, man? Hi. Good, man. Um, I'm a little behind on my comic reading this week. I've only got like one and a half books to talk about today. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Trying to find my groove. I'm just, I'm so busy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for this, man. I, uh, I, I, I read a little bit less than, than I thought I would too. Uh, Yeah. uh, Rachel and I celebrated our uh, five-year anniversary this weekend. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, every year for our anniversary, generally, we'd go for a uh, kind of an open-ended, um, you know, uh, drive, just drive around to, you know, whatever we see, um, make fun of things that are weird, stay in a weird, you know, in a shitty motel somewhere, have diner food. Obviously, a lot of these uh, attractions are not so possible in the age of COVID. So mm-hmm. we made do with what we could um, got in the car, drove, drove out to the end of long Island out to Montauk point, had some diner food to go, uh, sat in front of a park, watched a man throw snowballs at geese. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was very protective of his lawn against those geese. It was, you know, just one of those weird things where it's like, if you're not, trying to pay attention to the weird shit in the world, you know, like going out of your way to notice it, you might never, might never appreciate it in the same way. Yeah. That dude has some mad on for those geese. Uh, and then today, uh, let's see, we, we've always, we've had this dream one day for our, uh, for our anniversary, instead of doing the road trip, we would just show up at the airport uh, buy buy tickets to just some international flight with cash at the spot with no warning and just go (laughs) see what happened probably get thrown in jail Uh, (laughs) tsa jail or something but uh we decided to do the quarantine version of that we um we saw that the next international flight was to bogota colombia so we um you get a bunch of cocaine <laughs> no we did the straight edge version of that we went down to the uh guatemalan restaurant down the street got some uh cinnamon hot chocolate walked around the park for a little while and then uh came back did a walk a virtual walking tour went on youtube and you can oh, do cool. like you know a youtube walking tour of pretty much any city in the world yeah and uh, i highly recommend that as a quarantine activity it's just it's a great way to to spend some time and like um just kind of get out of any sort of rut, you know? Just That's like, really oh cool. my god, something different and new. Uh the world exists outside of these four walls. So Yeah. Uh and then we picked up some um uh, some ingredients to make some Colombian snacks. So we're going to make some arepas con queso uh after this podcast. I'm pretty excited. That's awesome. For that. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. So that was my weekend. Um, so, Will, what's, uh, what you reading? What, what'd you, uh, what's your favorite thing you read this week? What's your least favorite? What's in between? Well, I'm going to start with my least favorite because I, I always want to save the best for last. Sure. Um, so I read The Age of Conan Valeria. Oh, boy. Yeah, you were talking um, about this last week. Yeah. I was, I found myself wanting. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So other books that have come out for Age of Conan are like Savage Sword of Conan. Uh, this is another Savage Sword of Conan. Then this is Baylit or something. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's got an accent on the E. Sure. Um, but Baylit is like, she's a pirate queen super badass um and uh she's kind of like the gamora of the seas 
kind of thing. She's, she's like, she's known as like the deadliest woman uh, of Sum- in Samaria. It's the country that um, most of this is set in. Sure. Um, and all of Conan's stories are like, how the heck did he survive? Something always <laughs> happens where he like gets mortally wounded and then he makes his way back and he fights his way out and he just wantonly kills anything and everything. So like um, this world I've grown to, I've grown accustomed to um, a certain level of aptitude and badassery. Sure. And um, Valeria just wasn't that. Uh-huh. Um, I was kind of surprised, mainly because if this is a solo title that you're basically introducing a new character, having someone that is her dream is to become the greatest swordswoman, but like every fight she's been in, she's been overpowered. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's a flashback to the guy that trained her, and it was like, if you ever fight a man, it's the whole thing of like, she's a woman, she should be um, a maid, and ten right. people she should never be a swordswoman. And he was like, um, her trainer was like, as a woman, you're never going to win a battle of strength. You have mm-hmm. to win your swords fights with agility and your wits. Right. And, um, in that same chapter as that flashback, she gets in a fight with these three guys and the third one that she doesn't, that she hasn't taken out yet overpowers her with his axe. Okay. And um, like gets this nasty cut into her arm. Ooh. And she's like, and she, and she has this like super panicked face. Like she like, I don't know. It's, the way she was introduced was she was already on her way to being the top. But like, oh, sure. This was this was clearly early on, but yeah. she but she's old enough and um and storied enough that she has a training background that she flashes back to. She's right. known at her local tavern as kind of the bouncer there, okay. like and and she and like. Um, she can catch a pickpocket like she's good she's adept and then she goes out into the world uh to go avenge her slain brother and she's just just fails at everything yeah yeah it's like (laughs) it's like what's her name from uh uh from the punisher show we were watching together i was like this detective she's this fbi you know person she's supposed to be like really really good like that's why she's in this role and yet she fucks everything up and it's like this is not (laughs) this is insulting yeah yeah and so like it was just kind of odd and then like she's continually held back by her injury and it Mm -hmm. um but then all of a sudden when it's time for her to be like okay i'm ready to do this in a thought bubble she's like uh i'm young i heal fast and she okay. never, she's not bothered by the injury anymore. So it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Um, and it's just like, so like, here's a perfect example. Like, this is like the face that she makes. And it's just okay. like, she doesn't know what she's doing. And right. it's not even that. It's, it's a sword fight. Yeah. And that's her, the wound that she gets. And then she gets knocked down and like, she panics and like, tries to hold the guy hostage. And he's like, Dude, I'm a bad guy. What are you talking about? So he killed him, and he's and she. And so he's just like, your bargaining chip is gone. What are you going to do about it? And it's just like, this isn't the the person that I thought this character was going to be. Sure. Um, even just from the first two issues, this isn't the person I thought she was going to be. So <laughs> it was a really fast and easy read, and I was not compelled to like her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of depressing. I was a little, yeah. I was a little but we did, we did, uh, at least confirm that it's not Valeria Richards. <laughs> it's not Valeria Richards. Okay, thank, thank God. Goodness. Cause that would be yeah. fucking weird. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, we went into her origin story. Her parents are okay. dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just making uh, sure. Yeah. 
so uh so last week i talked about the marvel universe presents um and it yeah. is the daughter of logan so this is yeah, the and by the series. way those are those are um at least the way they did it in the 80s and 90s uh, those were anthology titles. So you'd get, they'd come out like every couple weeks and they would have like two or three stories in them in each yeah. issue. Yeah. So um, this one, Tales Through the Marvel Universe, is basically that. Uh, this collects nine issues. And um, the way it's presented is they all have the same forward and it's basically it's Marvel has always been the world outside your window. The four color heroes and villains rendered against uh, the same historical and cultural backdrops as their readers were. However, over the course of Marvel's existence, there have been major historical events that, for whatever reason, they have not been able to fully wrestle with, uh, be it because they happened too quickly or even because they were too raw of a subject. In our Marvel Age tale, each month we bring you... Uh, we bring to you precisely untold, previously untold tales of Marvel heroes and the real life events that shape the world we live in. That's so, cool. Yeah, I really like that. Um, the only other time I've seen that is uh, Straczynski's run on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He did right after 9-11, he right. did um, a no dialogue issue of um, the of Earth's heroes gathering and helping um, the firefighters and um, all that stuff in the rubble. Um, but other than that, you just don't see the major real world stuff happening um, sure. in, in most 616 stuff. So um, I've only read uh, three or four of these titles, four titles so far, but I really like them. Um, nice. What are some examples first- of? Yeah, so the first one is is Namor, okay. and it's posts um, uh, Cap going in the ice, and Namor is kind of getting uh, over the war, and he's just talking trash about um, how all he, all the surface world does just kill people, and and mm. that was his whole um, that was his whole reason for helping America and Cap is yeah. that the Nazis were just nonchalantly killing all these people. So um, on one, uh, on the same day that uh, Hiroshima happened, he's taking out another hydro cell and um, they were working on this giant robot that's going to kill anything and everything. Ooh. And the scientist is just like, well, no wonder they sent you to me. <laughs> do you know what's happening? Do you know what's happening in Japan? And he's like, "What?" And so, Namor goes to Hiroshima, sees what happened after the bomb, and um, that was basically the kind of tipping point wow. for um, him dropping out of the war. And, wow, that's really um, cool. Yeah, and so, and he actually he tried to stop the second bomb in Nagasaki from happening. Uh, wow yeah and that's how he disappeared and lost his memory oh shit oh that's really cool yeah um so that was that and that being the first issue i was like oh my god this is amazing i can't wait to read the rest of these yeah Um, so the next one was mr fantastic uh and is it it's him in his basically his college years uh he uh during the cold war uh, when the Russians got Sputnik one into space first. Yeah. Um, and so he is working with the team to work on uh, uh, NASA's first rocket, but he mm-hmm. was trying to convince them to do this new engine that um, just uh, super sophisticated, uh, basically R- Reed Richards level um rocket yeah that at, uh and he basically buried himself in his work he kind of broke it off with sue um we're introduced to the story with ben calling him out being like the hell is your problem mm. um and it ends with him stopping a russian spy from trying to steal their secrets the spy ended up working for dr doom but um there's like at the end of every issue there's a little out outro oh and it basically breaks down it's like yeah so America launched Explorer 1, 
Uh, Reed Richards was only marginally instrumental in its success, though he did glean from its findings a fact critical to his future. It was the first spacecraft to determine that the Earth is surrounded by vast bands of radiation. Ooh. So it's just like little things like you're just like, oh man, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to it's it, it's hard to uh like put in place or in context. Like Fantastic Four One was published in 1963. Like people going to space was not a thing yet. Like right. just going to <laughs> space was like holy shit, these guys went to space. Yeah. <laughs> And like, uh, no, we really didn't know what was up there and what would happen to people in space. Like, absolutely, sure, cosmic radiation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that one was really cool. Uh, the only other two I read was Spider Man, and it's a story. Uh, so, Spider Man's uh, issue is the cultural force of Star Wars, and it's it's um, Peter Parker waiting in line to go see the first Star Wars movie. That's um, cool. And getting pulled out because of a robbery. And then uh, this grandma who's waiting in front of the line uh, thought he was her her grandson. And so she so she brought him in with him and he got to Aww. he got to see the movie, even though he had to jump out of the line. So that one was kind of cool, just a random little thing. Uh, the one that stood out to me that I was um <sighs> Disappointed isn't the right word, but like kind of harks I'll I'll you'll you know what I'm saying, but like sure it, it makes me call back to some stuff from last year. But um Captain America mm-hmm. uh and the civil rights movement mm. and um basically Cap gets knocked out on some farm. Uh it's owned by two black people mm-hmm. and um they take care of them. And uh, this is set in when black people could start to register to vote. Sure. Um, and so after maybe one of the first voting rights acts or something. Yeah. The vote. Yeah. The voting rights acts were in 50 and 60 or 57 and 60. Yeah. I think it was like around 61, 62, but anyway. Um, oh, sorry. It says Mississippi, 1964. There you there go. You go. Um, so uh, he's uh, he fights off some white men that are attacking the farm and the husband is like the hell are you doing there's going to come back more angry and he's like i can protect you he's like yeah today what about tomorrow Mm -hmm. um then the other thing and then uh he wakes up the next morning and the wife is gone um and it's because the wife uh is on her way to uh go register to vote because you can only register to vote on the third Monday of every month. Oh, and so, um, yeah. And then, so it shows her picking up the forms. Uh, you only have 10 minutes to fill out the form, both pages. Um, they're going and Cap is in the truck. He refused to not go with the husband to go pick her up. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's like, you know, just cells and cells of conversation of just being like, this is why you can't, follow man like it's just going to be worse for me if they see me driving you a white man right um and then uh she comes out of the building crying so i assume she got declined and then they get home and their house is on fire fuck um and uh the husband blames him blames cap and uh he walks away apologizes um and it ends with a little like inner dialogue of like, I'm the greatest soldier who ever existed. I fight America's enemies. How can I fight America? And it's just like, mm. I like, I really, I like the message, but it, it bothered me that like he didn't or couldn't do more. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's kind of the, the central myth of Captain America, right. Is like, he is morality is his superpower right right? like you never really have to (laughs) to wonder whether he's on the right side of things (laughs) like yeah whenever it's like hero versus hero you're like okay cap cap is the one who's right here (laughs) like honestly (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
pretty much every time. And it's just like, it was just um, obnoxious. Cause so, uh, and we, we talked about it a little bit, like um, when everything was going on last year. Yeah. Um, like my escape to pretend like this wasn't happening mm-hmm. <laughs> was to just go into comics and just kind of like see a world that a hero could do something about that kind of right. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I pulled a lot from uh, the Sam Wilson, Captain America. Mm-hmm. And I told you about that and stuff. Yeah. And so, and then that always just rose the question of just like, you know, what would someone like Cap or someone like Punisher or other heroes that have very strict moral codes, uh, what would they have done in like in response to George Floyd? Right. Um, and that kind of stuff. And so seeing that someone else also thought of that and put it into an issue mm. and it ended with he did nothing. <laughs> I was just like, <sighs> yeah fuck because like even just even that like uh it's not take taking away big picture stuff he went through this it is now canon that he's gone through this and he hasn't done anything Mm. it's it's the same shit that like um that cyclops gave him so much shit about in avx right just like what have you done for the mutants Right. You've you fought with us, you respect us, you say you love us, but you've never done anything for us. Right. And so like it's that exact same now I actually have physical proof that he has seen the like hate and vitriol that black people have gone through in America, in his America, and he hasn't done anything about it. Right. And so it's just like I, there was a thought in my head that maybe he would be, it would end with him being instrumental in some sort of movement happening. Like he brought the idea to somebody, but he didn't. <laughs> and so it was, it was just, it was, it was just disappointing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's what I've read so far. The next one I'm on is uh, uh, Kurt uh, Nightcrawler um, around when the Berlin Wall came down. Oh wow. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I one more thing to say about the cap story. It it it, it there's such a contradiction between like you want these heroes to be able to like not just be reactionary, right? To right. like actually be proactive and work for justice and work for a better world. But then like if you try and fix the problems of the real world then <laughs> you can't write about them anymore <laughs> you know yeah. like uh-huh. and then also like yeah large structural problems you can't just punch them in the face right <laughs> yeah it was um and like i feel bad for whoever wrote it but like i wanted them to do literally the impossible but Oh, it's just obnoxious. Well, I mean, there it's was, it's yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying there was a um, this issue had an intro, by uh, written by John Lewis. Oh, US, cool. U.S. Representative John Lewis. Yep. I'm writing. Um, I'm reading uh, intermittently in fits and starts. I'm reading his graphic novel right now, March. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's good. Um, yeah. So he uh, recounts his. His summer of 1964, he was the chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talks about their goal was to register disenfranchised Black voters um, and what they had to go, th- what they went through um, in Mississippi. Um, and yeah, this is the, sec- the second time I've ever seen a forward by someone that wasn't a comic book writer sure that's Uh, cool so that was that was really cool to see and i think part of that is why i was like oh this is gonna be big (laughs) yeah this is gonna be a good story and yeah it it just it just fell short for me and it i mean this in in part this goes to one of the reasons why I, i feel so uh drawn towards superhero stories is like there just aren't that many 
stories about people who go out there to try and make the world a better place, like mm-hmm. a genre about that, you know, and about the, the attempts and the, like, there are a lot of, um, you know, you can look at like the realities of, of publishing and trying to have, like I say, like, like I said before, like you have to keep putting out issues you you have to have something to write about. You can't like fundamentally change the world or else you're fundamentally changing what people are, are reading about month to month. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it, it kind of messes with things that way in terms of actually accomplishing any change. But like, you know, I spent my twenties trying to make the world a better place and living as a full-time, you know, uh, a full-time activist more than full-time <laughs> and mm-hmm. um it was really it's really in in superhero fiction is the only place where i see other people with the or, or fictional characters with the same sorts of um um uh ideals and ambitions you know they may come at it from a different perspective or have i guess a different sort of uh, focus on how they do it. But like essentially at the end of the day, like doing what you can to, to make the world a better place with, you know, whatever power you happen to be able to muster. Like that's, that's not something that's represented very much in, in, in stories. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, yeah, that's one of the things that's always drawn as an adult that's drawn me to superhero comics and like, after I got laid off from my nonprofit job, I just started reading, you know, like all of your trade, all of your trade paperbacks and, and, uh, you know, uh, just really like soaked myself in superhero stories. And I think that was kind of, uh, therapeutic in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. So that was, um, that's what I got, man. So how was uh night nightcrawler in the Berlin Wall? Don't know. I'm like two okay. pages in. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. um let's see. This this uh since we last talked, I read a few things. Uh I'll start with my least favorite. <laughs> I read um a mini series called uh The Rise of Apocalypse. And uh, it's like, you know, Apocalypse uh, apocalypse slash and Sabanur's origin story or whatever oh. um, in Akaba, Egypt in 3000 BC. It's, it was so hard to read. Really? Um, it's just so incoherent. Like I, hmm. I, I tried so many times to to read it and i just like read a couple pages and i'd be like what the heck just happened like, <laughs> like there it's so many things that i try to pay attention to as a comics creator too like you know like there a, a character shows up in a new scene you're like how did i get there like right. why is this character here now when they were over there before like they didn't have a re- a narrative reason to have shown up in this completely <laughs> other setting uh, and then there's like no backgrounds drawn in so many of these panels. So like, how do I know like where people, you know, like you'll see a background in an establishing shot and then in like no other um, like panels in the rest of the scene. And it's hmm. just like really disorienting, like trying to place characters in space. Yeah. Um, th- uh, it was also uh, like kind of the height of, um this like real 90s moment uh you saw not just in comics but like a lot of brands and designs and stuff where it's like we just discovered photoshop so let's put a gradient on fucking <laughs> everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so every every surface and every panel every it's just gradient 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 everything looks shiny and chromey and plastic and and, and it's just like it doesn't work and it's almost like queasy like all of the all of the colors are just so dynamic and you can't like your eyes can't rest anywhere it's just busy as hell 
Mm. Um, it was just really hard to look at the art. And then, and I really like this artist uh, otherwise, uh, Adam Polina, he did uh, a run on X-Force, which was a lot of fun. He he drew like Sunspot with like the like, um, like flamey sort of dark flamey hair. Um, mm. I don't know. He just has, he has a, a, a design sensibility, which I generally liked a lot. Um, but it just doesn't work in this. He's like throwing tons of like onks and like Egyptian eyes and like, you know, uh, you know, Pharaoh scarab, like just like Egypt thing in like, on like <laughs> the, the panels or like gutters of, of every single page. And it's like, this is just Why? so distracting. And then there's the story of it, which is like apocalypse becomes apocalypse because he was ugly really (laughs) kind of i mean it's not entirely it but it's enough of a part of it that i'm just like are you kidding me like okay so he's um he's an ugly baby right like he's he's born with the lips and the and the 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 pallets you know the gray skin um and he's like abandoned in the desert and then this like um so it turns out that so ramatut is uh the pharaoh at the time okay um and he went one of the things he was trying to do while he was back in time was find apocalypse so that he could mold him into his successor and like I don't know, something, something ensure rule over all time. Yeah. Um, and so he has like this order out to find apocalypse. Um, but this, um, group of nomad soldiers, uh, raiders, scavengers finds him first and, um, you know, uh, with a, weird amount of unnecessary violence their leader raises him as his own son and then um rama tut's uh uh chief general was ozymandias the same ozymandias who you know gets turned into stone and serves apocalypse for the next five thousand years so um He's got a real like Starscream syndrome going on where he's huh. like the second in command of the big bad, but like so obviously trying to like usurp him at every step. that it's like, why the fuck do you put up with this? <laughs> <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> why, why is this guy not just first up against the wall? Like, openly mutinous at every single step and there's Mm. just no good narrative explanation for why you know why that's tolerated for a second but ramatut's just constant like every single like three times an issue you know the the other the other the 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 vizier uh to ramatut logos is like hey uh ozymandias is is disobeying your orders and trying to you know uh, trying to undermine your authority and overthrow you again. And Ramatut's like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, and so eventually, um, uh, Apocalypse, you know, like he, he's in his 20s. Uh, Ramatut finally, like, finds out where he is again and, like, sends. Ozymandias after him to capture him and Ozymandias like no I'm gonna kill him Uh, and um, uh, Apocalypse and Sabanur is like never like this above it all like you know serene detached kind of character like he's a very like human earthly like I can't understand I'm filled with angst and rage and it's just like very unrecognizable in a really jarring sort of way. Um, contrast that with like, I just read a similar story. It seems like uh, the ex offices were on a big kick of these um, 
uh, origin stories for villains because I just read The Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, which is the same thing for Sinister. That was awesome. Because uh, no. that was the origin story for Sinister. And he's like kind of on the edge of like being um, like a mad scientist human and just being this cold, dead monster. You know, like he he's he sinister is like obsessed with uh genetic mutation and you know he's like a contemporary of charles darwin takes place in the 1830s and it's like actually historically researched a little bit right and so um you know like uh he and that one was by um uh peter milligan uh writer who uh who Later did Ecstatics, uh, which was very good, uh, but also did a really bad run on X-Men. Um, and John Paul Leon, who had amazing uh, art for that. But anyway, um, he, so Sinister, or Essex, uh, does, um, he, his uh, kid dies. Uh, his, like, you know, infant child dies. And uh, of, like, some genetic disease. And so um, he, like, digs the kid's corpse up to experiment on it or, like, to try and figure out what happened. And everyone's like, that's way beyond the pale. You're insane. And he's like, I'm trying to do science. I'm trying to figure out why this happened, why these diseases happen. And, like, there's no other way to do this. And his wife's like, you're a monster. This is, you know, uh, abomination to God. And then she she's pregnant. She has a miscarriage and like, you know, similar sort of thing happens and apocalypse that comes to him and his hour of, dark, you know, need and is like, hey, I'll give you all the power you need. You can step behind beyond, you know, this foolish morality of um, of the times and, and uh, learn what you need to learn to help the strong survive. And, and he's like, yeah, let's do this. And so it's like, you see the character that he's going to become before he becomes it. Right. And all he has to do is like cross that last threshold. Whereas apocalypse, he's like a surly angsty teenager who literally like he's, he's angry that his daddy dies, his surrogate daddy. And then like, there's this love interest Nefra, who's like the betrothed to Ramatut until randomly the Fantastic Four shows up. And I think that this is like a retcon of an early issue of Fantastic Four where they show up in Ramatut's time. Mm. Um uh because he's like, uh never mind Nefra. Uh I'm going to marry Sue now. Oh. Uh and they're mostly off panel. Like you see them like on panel, like twice the fantastic four, like twice, like they get, they arrive and then they get captured. And then Sue is like there and then they escape. And it's, it's so I think it's kind of writing around that sixties appearance of the fantastic four and first appearance of Ramatut, um, which is an interesting idea, but it, it just didn't really work. And so, um, yeah. So, um so then um after uh in Sabanur's uh surrogate dad dies, he's rescued by um Ramatut's vizier and goes to hide in Ramatut's capital as a slave, covered in rags to hide his appearance. But the rags don't they only cover his mouth. So like everyone can see his gray skin. And like he's pulling giant pyramid stones by himself, and no one thinks like, "Hey, isn't that guy who's like, who's like supposed to be really powerful, like the chosen one guy, you know, who's like different from everybody else, and who Ramatut's after?" Like nobody thinks or says this until somebody takes the rags off his face, (laughs) and they're like, "Oh shit, look at the gray guy's lips. That's weird." And that's what like pulls him over the edge. And like Nefra, the the love interest, like she's like, I just met you, but I'm madly in love with you. And he's like, I must be beyond such things. 
but strangely I am drawn to you. And then like, you know, and then like the rags come off and she's like, Oh my God, you're hideous. It reminds me of when I was in second grade and uh, my friend (laughs) told me, he he was like, yeah. uh, Apocalypse. His name means, cause like a pocky means metal. And uh, he has metal lips, and that's that's what apocalypse means. <laughs> oh my goodness! It was like really all about him having ugly lips. It was really like why apocalypse like, is apocalypse. Like that's his identity. Yeah, for it, thousands of years. <laughs> and it's just like this is supposed to be a character who's like so beyond and above it all. Like it, at one point in my reread, I read. Um, uh this crossover called oh god um i'll have to look it up the name of it later but it's like um uh loki contacts like all the all the other villains like um kingpin and red skull and magneto and is like hey let's do a swap where like all these all these heroes that consistently foil our plans, let's go after each other's enemies. They won't see it coming. It's like kind of narratively thin, but made for some interesting like uh, pairings and fights, you know, just like it's something novel. Sure. Uh, Even if they were less interesting because nobody really had a good reason to be fighting each other. Um, But uh, he approaches apocalypse apocalypse is like i don't have petty rivalries this isn't what i'm about get the fuck out of here you stupid you you petty little god like (laughs) i'm above this and i'm above you and i don't care about any of this go away (laughs) like that was dope (laughs) that's amazing and and just to have that character's origin story be like wow this 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 girl that i like thinks i'm ugly yeah (laughs) just so lame so yeah that was the worst thing that i read this week um (laughs) the best thing that i read uh i I read a couple other things i'll go through them briefly um i read um uh there was a a short arc on x-force uh called the shatterstar saga and it was um uh, the origin story of Shatterstar, kind of. Um, and apparent, so they'd been teasing for a little while that there's this character mm-hmm. called Benjamin Russell, who was in a mental asylum, who um, has some sort of connection to Shatterstar. And like, is he really this warrior from the Mojoverse, or is he this teenage mutant in a coma? Or who's from a mental asylum. Said that the exact same way you would say TMNT. But anyway. (laughs) The same same way I'd say what? Same cadence as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant (laughs) in a coma. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Nico. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, it it was it was silly. It, It was it was kind of like, remember the, that, um, like at the very end of, um, Peter David's X factor, where he's just like wrapping up every loose end in, yeah. in for all of his characters. Yeah. And he did the, the long shot and, and, uh, the long shot fucking shadow star. I'm my own grandpa shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was so random and kind of cool. Yeah, so this was this was like he needed to tell that story because they failed to tell it uh, competently in this. Like they were trying to do the same thing, but never actually like got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the 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 conclusion to this is that Shatterstar was um, a real, you know, entity being person from Mojoverse um, but was critically wounded fighting alongside Cable uh, and so was brought to Earth 
uh, and merged with a teenage mutant in a coma uh, named Benjamin Russell, who is living at a <laughs> who is living at a mental asylum, and um, and it's just like what? Okay, like yeah. it's in when there's you. <sighs> when you read a lot of Marvel like us and you run into these stories where it's like, well, that was dumb and no one's ever going to use it again. You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know, like it's, it's kind of like the blessing to Marvel's sort of like approach to continuity where it's like, if something sucks, you're just not going to see it again. You're not beholden to continuity. That's boring or, or not good. You know, you can just ignore it. Uh, and it's like, well, this is going to get written off. And this was <laughs> this was uh, Jeff Loeb's last story arc on X Force, and actually he quit X Man and uh, Cable at the same time. And I guess left Marvel completely. Uh, he wow. ended up like uh, being the main creative force on the show Heroes a few years later. Um, then became the executive. Uh, in charge of Marvel television um, just left a, a year or two ago from that after Faye got promoted to chief creative officer of the entire Marvel entertainment. Um, so it was like, this is a guy who's really, really accomplished and he's writing whatever he wants and he delivers very competent scripts but he just writes about things that I personally do not give a shit about. <laughs> he just really likes like the more convoluted a plot, the better. Like, you know, I I'm, I'm developing this checklist of like, if you're more than one of the following and even one is pushing it. Like if you're like derivative character, right? Like, um, you know, like uh, super boy, super girl, you know, who's like, there's already a super like, derivative character alternate reality time travel in some capacity like if one is pushing it and it really has (laughs) to be the center of your entire story but if you have two or more like we gotta talk (laughs) like this is just terminal amounts of comic book bullshit that i don't think anybody should really put up with um but yeah so there was a lot of that in in what Jeff Loeb cares about. And uh, I thought I'd be happy to see him go. And then I read the next issue of X-Force and I was like, wow, this is just a completely incompetent script. Mm. <laughs> so, so that's something. Um, our, uh, there was a story arc of Punisher uh, where he is teaming up with the executioner to oh, uh, right. fight um a group that's calling themselves the mutant liberation front, but really they're anti-mutant bigots using tech to mimic mutant powers to do terrorism in the name of mutants, to create a bigger public backlash against mutants. Um, Very forgettable, but it's somewhat interesting. Carl, uh, uh, the executioner, Carl Denti. So weird character. He's a, um, FBI agent who was the partner of an X-Men X-Men ally from like the 60s named Fred Duncan who is like showed up in the very early days of X-Men to be like we're going to make you good with the federal government like don't worry uh, and then he dies and Denty blames mutants and uh, but not only the bad mutants you know he's like I'm like you Punisher I make a distinction between the you know the innocent and the guilty and I only kill mutants who've killed anyway um I'm I'm not sure how to it it's it's an interesting idea he you know takes the entire um like weapons of of uh x-men villains and uses them as a human but ultimately rather forgettable uh and then the best thing that i read uh oh i also read xse um oh cool yeah it was fine um it was a weird frame story where like he and shard are just kind of like talking in the present and, and then they do flashbacks to like their whole past 
and it's mm. just like this really like widespread like jumping from from spot to spot and it never really felt like anything had stakes because they're telling it all from the past and you know she's dead and how everything happened so um it, it at least gave a little bit of characterization to shard because she's not getting any an x factor where she's a regular member um and the best thing that that came up is um there's this cool subplot um between jay jonah jameson and graden graden creed who's running for president right now and uh uh iceman and cannonball are both undercover uh as uh members of of creed staff um and like keeping an eye on him for for the ex folks and um and uh yeah jonah is like running like tons of negative press against uh a creed for being a hate monger and like standing up huh. for mutants and free press and stuff like that and it's like it's he's an interesting character as like weirdly very strongly principled about certain things and then just completely amoral about so many others and so random when he decides to <laughs> to take a stand on things but uh i don't know i think that adds to to the character in some cool ways so yeah that's that's been an interesting subplot and like a lot of the subplots in in x-men and uncanny it it just kind of lingers and it's like it shows up in another issue and it's like, is this being developed at all? Like, no, you're just <laughs> reminding me that it's there. Like nothing actually changed or added to it, but <laughs> I guess we're going to keep it going. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's what I read this week. That's a, uh, that's a good, that's a good amount, man. It was, what was that, like four storylines. Yeah, I'm really trying to just power through as, <laughs> this as quickly as possible. Yeah, this is still this is still like 96, 97. Yeah, starting to cross over into 97 now. Let's see, next up for me is finishing Tales through the Marvel Universe. So I can talk about that next week. And then uh Ghost Spider. Um uh, Ghost Spider is Spider Gwen. Okay. Um she got deep. She doesn't have her powers, but she has a Venom symbiote. Um, hmm. Okay, which interesting. Replicates her powers. Huh. Uh, she has her universe's version of the Venom symbiote. Okay, uh, that's right. She is all all the way alternate universe. She doesn't she, really yeah. cross over. She's well. So she hops around. the The Spider characters have their own watches that hop that hop universes using the. Oh, really? Life. Is that just like oh. an established thing? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh no. You're taking well, some so, boxes, some alternate universe boxes, some derivative it, character dude, plus alternate universe boxes here. Spider-Verse goes all out on universal crossovers. Um, okay. And then ever since then, uh they needed so do you remember uh Madam Webb from like yeah the, um spider-man animated yeah. series so madam web is the watcher basically of um the web of life which um for spiders is what connects them to each other spiritually and um depend i feel like depending on your faith is what keeps the universe together okay <laughs> the multiverse together interesting um, uh and so the new Madam Web is Julia Carpenter. Oh. And by, by new, I mean like this happened like 15 years ago. Sure, but okay. Spider-Man came out over 50 years ago, so it's Four. still new. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so anyway, point is um, when the Web of Life, when the Web of Destiny was being uh, <sighs> put under threat by the Inheritors, uh, all of the spiders from every reality joined together so they could fight the inheritors. And so uh, in order to do that more easily, they developed um, little dimension hopping wristbands mm. um, and communicators. And think, think Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. 
with their teleporting and sure. their communicating. Okay. So this is Spider. She's she's Spider Woman in her universe. Okay. Um, she got the powers. Peter Parker turned into the lizard, um, and he died. So um, Peter Peter dying was the catalyst for Gwen to become a hero, as opposed to Uncle Ben to Peter. Okay. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so she got uh, she got a, her her universe's Venom symbiote um after she lost her powers and that's what she uses to get around blah blah blah. and she just has the venom symbiote um look like her old costume oh okay Um, (laughs) convenient yeah and um conversationally in our universe in our world she's known as spider gwen um there are some there's already so many spider women in marvel (laughs) that um she oh there was one on like the third spider-verse crossover miles saw her and was like oh i thought i thought you were a ghost Mm. i thought i saw a ghost because they thought she died because they lost communication with her blah blah blah. she's like Mm. actually i like that i'm i'm uh i'm gonna i'm gonna use ghosts from now on i'm gonna go by ghost spider sure she's ghost spider i like the i like the name it's cool yeah yeah sweet um let me see what else i got uh Spider. Oh yeah, and the last crossover that I haven't read about uh, the last side story uh, for Absolute Carnage. So oh, nice. Absolute Carnage. Sweet. Absolute Carnage is ridiculous. Yeah, you're gonna have to oh, talk a little more about it next uh, next episode. Sure. Yeah. Give me some detail. Yeah, it. They, dude. They like the last like five years. They're like, especially with the Venom movie and all that stuff coming out, they're like, let's let's flesh out the symbiotes a little more. Mm-hmm. And they just they went ham. Have they done uh, the storyline for Chili Con Carnage yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, medium medium Carnage. They introduced uh, the god of the symbiotes. Oh. Whoa. They, okay. They, there's the planet that the symbiotes came from. We'll sure. talk more next week. But, okay. Um, so they they've spent the last couple years going into the name of the symbiotes, the alien. Yeah. What what their actual the name of the race is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the hosts that the Venom symbiote has had since. The, since it left their planet yeah. to and came to Earth. Um, and uh, the god of the symbiotes, Null. K-N-U-L-L. Okay. Uh, and he's coming back. Oh? <laughs> um, he has a giant dragon called Grendel. Sick. Okay. Um, and Carnage Cletus Cassidy now has a whole prophecy cult following thing around him. Um, oh, it's it's a lot. They've done so much sure. with the symbiotes now. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm reading. Okay, <laughs> next week. <laughs> uh, for next week, I'm going to be reading the. Uh, Let's see. A quick story arc of Excalibur, the first after uh, Warren Ellis left. Um, And then the Magneto limited series. Well, really the Joseph limited series. Mm. Um, And then a short story arc of X-Factor. I think it's the one in which Graydon Creed gets assassinated. Uh, And then a story arc of Wolverine called once upon a time in little Tokyo. He's been hanging out with Electra lately. It's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, a saber tooth and mystique uh, limited series. And then depending on how far I get uh, the, the, the pack that I do, they have, they group like, um, you know, like more dedicated story arcs together. And then, 
every once in a while it'll like kind of um, um, it'll just have a folder called untitled where it's just a bunch of like loose issues and stuff that doesn't really bubble up to a, a full story arc, but kind of, you know, self-contained stories, but it would, it would be included in a trade paperback if it wasn't, if I was reading it like that, but yeah. You know. um, and so these are, uh, there's a big, uh, big folder full of, of um, yeah. Disconnected issues. So see how, I, how far I get into that. Cool. cool. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Good catching up and uh, looking forward to talking more, more comics. Yeah, this week. for sure. All right. Take care, man. Talk to you soon. I'm going to go well. eat some uh, arepas con queso. I'm excited Sweet. about that. Outro out. Out. <laughs> I don't think we have one yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's the outro music. Yes. Cue outro music here. <laughs> Later, Matt. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>